Wonderful. Well, do have that page open in your Bibles if you've got a Bible in front of you. Um, we're in the habit here at St. Paul's in the building. We, are, we can't have our Bibles out, sadly, so we need to bring them with us. Um, it'd be really helpful if we could turn out to a passage ourselves as well and check out what the Word is saying. So if you've got a little Bible you can bring along Sunday by Sunday, that'd be great. John chapter 5, starting at verse 18. Let me pray. Your word says, Isaiah 55, the Lord God says, Come all you who are thirsty, give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Our Lord God, today may we hear Jesus' life-giving word and truly live. Amen. Jesus came into the world to bring life. That is God's heart. And he loved the world so much, remember, he gave his one and only son that we might not perish, but have everlasting life, that we wouldn't face forever death, but know life instead with him. That's what the world needs, isn't it? That's what the world needs to hear. And John writes his gospel so that we would believe it. If you went to the end of John, chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, we understand why he read. He performed many other miracles in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, says John, but these are written. Of all the miracles, all the signs that Jesus did, and all the things that he said, these are written that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And the last verse in John's Gospel tells us that Jesus did so many things that if it were written down, there wouldn't be enough room in the world for all the books. But these have for our learning that we might have life. So, are you living his life or living in death? John 5 is such a wonderful chapter. Um, it's such an important part of John's Gospel. And it acts as a whole to show us who Jesus is, the one who gives life. And that miracle that we looked at last week, the sign where Jesus heals the man at the pool, um, proves that he is God's son, equal with God, able to give life. And he walks into that very sad and sorry picture. Do you remember? We just saw the picture on the screen. A very sad situation, many ill. And he walks up to perhaps the sickest man, sick for a lifetime, 38 years. And what does he do? Do you remember? With a word, he heals. He says, rise up. And he heals the man. The man gets up and walks. Jesus came to bring life. And amazingly, we don't read about the wonderful celebration that follows. We don't, we don't, it doesn't seem to happen. Instead, we have the anger of the religious authorities who deem that Jesus doing these things on the Sabbath, the day of rest, was the problem. And it's good for us, though, because it means that in the next part, verse 18 to 30, Jesus teaches who he is. That why we should make Jesus the central part of our lives, why he really matters. That he is God's son, that he is equal with God. 
And he's the one who gives life and who is a judge. And life and judgment are the two big things in life, aren't they? And they belong to Jesus. So what will we make of him? And that's the final section. What do we make of him? Verse 31 to 47. Jesus presents the evidence that he is God's son, equal with God. And then he teaches that people reject him. And why? And it's good to look at that anger and rejection by the religious authorities because when people we respect, perhaps those wise and powerful figures in the world, the media and so on, the popular voices, laugh at the idea of Jesus and his salvation, well, it affects our faith, doesn't it? We can wobble, we can doubt. And so the fact that the religious leaders in Jesus' day, these are the experts at spotting who the Messiah is going to look like, Well, when they angrily reject his claims, it can wobble us, and it's good to have here an account of Jesus saying, no, no, it is I, and you are unbelievers. So it's good to to understand this, which means it will be better that we can share it with others. When John wrote, um, these things are written that that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, Um, The word believe is ongoing. So you believe it today. That's why he's writing it. He wants us to, our hearts to be challenged and changed and to come to Jesus. But also it's just for the believers as well, to keep on believing, to keep trusting these truths about Jesus, to keep reminding ourselves of them. And so that's the first point. Be confident that Jesus is the life-giving Son of God. Be confident that Jesus is the life-giving Son of God. Verses 18 to 30. So verse 16, Jesus has healed the man on the Sabbath. The religious leaders are objecting, and Jesus mounts his legal defense. Verse 17, my father is at work sustaining the universe on the Sabbath like every other day. Therefore, I too am at work. And as we heard from Jake last week, God's work was to bring life, wholeness. And so verse 18, they don't like this. Sabbath, work, God. um, And they object and they persecute. And verse 18, plot to kill him, making himself equal with God. That's not on. And essentially, Jesus in this coming section says, yes, yes. As God's son, I'm in the family business. You see, Jesus is not a rival God, which the religious authorities suspect. No, there is one God. There is one God, and in this new age of redemption's history, he's revealing himself as Father and Son. God the Father, God the Son. And Jesus seemingly took on his human father's business of carpentry, didn't he? Do you remember that? He was known as the carpenter from Nazareth. And you can just imagine Joseph showing him how to make things and Jesus helping his father and finally sort of taking over and they're building things together. Well, similarly, verse 19, Jesus is the son of God. He's not independent from the father, but they are one in the works that they they do. We've got total collaboration here. He does nothing beyond what the Father has shown him. Rather, he is always submissive to the Father 
as the obedient son. And verse 20, this all flows out of mutual and eternal love. Yes, verse 20, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Works greater than the healing? Yes, Jesus is going to bring life from the dead as he pronounces the final judgment. And that's where Jesus goes in the next few verses. Verse 21, as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to those whom he's pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted judgment to who? To the Son, that we may honour him. So judging and giving life is at the heart of the meaning of life. Genesis 1, God spoke, of, God spoke and brought to life. And we read as he brings judgment at the end of life. And here we discover the Father's given total control of the family business to his Son. And it is Jesus who decides who gets life in partnership with the Father. And verse 22, he's been handed the authority to judge. So Jesus isn't a rival of the Father. He does exactly what the Father does. And in these key aspects of life and judgment, uh, Jesus has equal honor with the Father, verse 23. And that's the Father's aim, that we would honor the Son as we honor the Father, which has huge implications, doesn't it? It means that it's not good enough to say that I believe in God or I follow Allah. Indeed, Israel's leaders were experts in believing in the one true God. And here Jesus is saying, well, if you don't honor me, the Son, then you don't honor God. You don't belong to God. So it's a huge chapter, isn't it, in our Bibles. Uh, Jake preached on this last year. I do advise you to go and look at it. Uh, listen to it on the website um, as he tackled this passage. And as we read on in John 5, um, we read that the religious leaders who are objecting to Jesus and not honoring the Son are in fact dead. They're dead spiritually. And there are lots of reasons why, well, we can give why people don't come to know Jesus. We can blame the noise of our secular world, the noise of the media, the lack of gospel proclamation in the local church. Um, but the reason people don't come to Jesus is because they are dead. They're living dead. They're like the man, ill for 38 years by the pool, unable to help ourselves. Christian friends, you know this is what you once were. Dead in our transgressions and sins, separated from this loving God, but like with the man at the pool, Jesus walked up to us and said, get up, be raised. Raised from spiritual death to everlasting life. Be confident that Jesus is the life-giving Son of God. And our loved ones, our friends, the people we meet at work, we need to remember they're dead in their transgressions and sins. And as Christians, we're in the business of resuscitation. Or rather, God is, but we reach out to them. So we don't despair when things go, don't go so well, but we commit them into the hands of the Lord, the one who raised, can raise them to life with a word, with his words. 
which is what Jesus teaches in the next few verses. He came to raise people to life with his voice. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Have you done that? Have you crossed over from death to life? And there are two hours or two times we need to be aware of. First, verse 25, this hour, this present time, um, from spiritual death. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. So this is about spiritual death. The Father has life in himself and has granted the Son to also have life in himself. And we see his saving word raising lives time and again in the Gospels. Like the woman at the well in John chapter 4, who because of her dodgy moral life seemed to be the last person that we'd think God would be interested in. And indeed, some seemed proud when she was questioned about how she should worship. But listening to Jesus brought her from death to life. His words raised her and gave her life, verse 24. So in this hour and this present time, Jesus says, I've come to bring life. Today, the hour of salvation is now. Jesus, his voice is calling you to follow him, to put your trust in him today. So if you haven't done that, today is the time. Today is the time. Come and have life, says the Lord Jesus. Secondly, the second hour is the last day, the time to come. Verse 28, when all will be raised physically when they hear the voice, the word of the Lord, the Son. And they'll be raised for judgment or to resurrection life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in this time that will come, when the Lord Jesus will speak, raise us for judgment or for resurrection life? You see, you might be able to avoid his voice now, but you won't be able to avoid his voice on that final day. We will hear his voice and he will raise us for judgment or for resurrection life. And Christian friends, this is desperately serious for the people we live amongst. Uh, They are the living dead. They're facing this judgment. So we prayerfully need to hold out to them the word of life, the words of Jesus. Be confident that Jesus is the life-giving Son of God. And secondly, and finally, be clear. Be clear that people reject Jesus because they glory in themselves. People reject Jesus because they glory in themselves. In other words, it's not a lack of evidence, as we heard earlier, that stops people from believing in Jesus. Uh, It's the love of themselves. Christian friends, we can be encouraged that the evidence is solid for Jesus. Verse 18 onwards um, follows the wrong and murderous response of the authorities. And Jesus teaches clearly about his identity, so we can be confident. And now to these expert Messiah spotters, they know their stuff, 
Jesus lays out further testimony to support his claim to be the life-giving son. He knows he cannot just bear witness of himself. Other witnesses are needed, and he brings them in, as the Jewish tradition dictates. And they all emanate from the Lord God, the Father God. And the first witness he calls, do you see this in the next bit? Verse 31 onwards, is John the Baptist. And we can forget just how amazingly big John the Baptist was in the first century Israel. We can read the accounts of the crowds emptying from the cities and going out to John. And that's what Jesus means here in verse 33. You flocked to him. You saw his words were truth. He was a man of integrity. He spoke truth and he lived truth. Even with the authorities accusing them of hypocrisy and even with the king Herod and Herodias, do you remember that? He stood up to them, he called out their adultery and he was locked in prison and then killed. So verse 35, he was a burning and shining light. They knew he was true and they rejoiced in his light. And crucially, John, the true speaker, the true speaker spoke truth about Jesus. And what did he say? He said he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Sin no more, he said to the man at the pool. Sin no more. Because he can offer forgiveness. John says, you think I'm a shining light. I don't deserve to be the man's slave to untie his shoes. Jesus was before me. Yes, John 1 verse 1. He was the word, the eternal word. I baptize in water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Without measure, he will give the Spirit. I am the bridegroom, John chapter 3. Uh, he is the bridegroom. I'm just the best man, says John. He comes from heaven. I'm simply a man of the earth. The Father loves the Son and given all things into Jesus' hands, says John. And whoever does not obey the Son shall not live but have the wrath of God remaining upon them. So that's John 3. But verse 36, the testimony that I have, says Jesus, is greater than John the Baptist's. And then Jesus brings in a second witness statement. Not just John the Baptist, but who? The Father God himself. Verse 37. You've never seen him or heard his voice, but he has borne witness about me, says Jesus. And we saw that at the pool of Siloam. Jesus was the life-giving son, doing the works of the Father. And verse 21 again, just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, I give life to who I please. The wholeness, true life. And the religious authorities never deny the miracles. In fact, they use the miracles against Jesus to condemn him. They knew he was doing these things but they didn't believe. They just don't, verse 38, 37, they don't discern the Father's voice, that's why. Verse 38, they don't have a, the word living in them. They just don't believe. They're not believers, which is a big thing to say, isn't it, to the religious authorities. And that brings Jesus to his next witness statement, the scriptures. Verse 39, for God's Messiah who will come and rescue you Oh, sorry, you search the scriptures because you're looking for eternal life, this rescuing Messiah. Well, the scriptures are talking about me if you just read them and listen and act on them. But you can't see it. It never occurs to them that Jesus is the life 
or the life-giving son doing what was natural to him, raising life, giving life to the man at the pool on the Sabbath. But their hearts are hard, verse 40. Their hearts are hard. You refuse to come to me for that same life. So even though the religious Messiah-spotting experts were against Jesus, we needn't be worried, for the evidence is overwhelming. But why don't they believe? Why don't they see? What lessons can we learn from this? Well, remember our Easter sermon. You and I are being sent out to make disciples. And when we go out to the world with our Bibles open, showing them the word of Christ... Um, the world will refuse to listen so much of the time. But we're not to be discouraged. For it's not about evidence. It's not that this is a dodgy message. Remember, people are dead in their transgressions and sins. No, it's about their hearts. It's their hearts that need changing. And the Jewish, Jewish authority, says Jesus, had all the evidence they needed. But it's their hearts that needed changing. In fact, we read later in Acts that many of the priests became Christians. Hurrah! Their hearts needed changing. Which means, if my friend says, if Jesus comes and does a miracle in my front room, then I'll believe. Well, it ain't necessarily so. So the Jewish hearts were hard. Why? Why did they reject the Son? Well, verse 41 to 44, I haven't got time to read it. Um, but if you read those words, you'll see that it's their hearts. And they don't accept glory from the... They want to glorify God, but they like the glory from each other. You do not have the love of God in your heart, says Jesus. You do not accept me. But you accept other people who come in my name, other people that might suit you, but you don't suit my son. You just want glory from each other. You want yourselves to be worshipped. And it is, it's all about self that's stopping them come to Jesus. The key issue is verse 42. You don't have the love of God in your hearts. Your love is for yourselves. Your glory is for yourself. Who do they really worship? Yourselves. How can you believe and worship me if you're running around seeking glory in each other and that's the attitude and there's no room for God when we have that attitude do you recognize that attitude who are you serving what's your day about what's your week about it's the same for the healed man as well at the beginning of the chapter um, it doesn't quite say it but he, we don't hear a thank you from him and when he finally finds out who, who the person is that healed him he goes and dobs him into the authorities. Why? Yes, it is scary being surrounded by the religious police saying, who did this to you? Who told you to pick up your mat? But he was into self-preservation. He was offered life from the Lord Jesus. Repent, turn away from your sins, or something worse, judgment would happen to you. Well, he doesn't. He goes to the authorities and sides with them and hands Jesus over to them. He knows what will happen to Jesus. So the man at the pool is a bit like these religious leaders here. It's a sign of, of self overcoming to the Lord in repentance and in faith. 
well, we can compare. If we're unsure about that, perhaps go to uh, chapter 9, where there's another healing, where God brings uh, another person to faith through the giving of the sight. And he's surrounded by the religious police, but he sides with Jesus. And those two signs, both healings on the Sabbath, act as bookends to this section of rejection of Jesus. And we have a man who dobs Jesus in, and then the man who stands for Jesus at the end of the section. Very, very helpful uh, that John has written it in that way. So there is our issue. Be clear. People reject Jesus because they glory in themselves, not because of a lack of evidence. So what are we going to do with all of that? Well, it's that charge again. Do not refuse Jesus. He is the only one with the word of life. And Jesus says, honor me. Honor me as you honor the Father. We can't have one without the other. Come to the one with the words of life. And Christian friends, marvel in his glory. Marvel in this truth that he is the Son of God equal with him, doing the works of the Father. Marvel in him, be confident in him, and share. Share him. We can't raise the dead, but the Lord can. Pray and share the words of Jesus with those around us. We are to make disciples, and this Easter season has reminded us that. And Jesus is the life-giving Son of God, who with the authority of the Father will come one day and call people out of our tombs. We'll all hear his voice. Some will be raised for resurrection life, hallelujah. But some will be raised for judgment. So let's pray about this glorious privilege of sharing the risen Jesus with those around us. Our loving Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the Son of God, equal and dependent and submissive to you. Teach us to live like Jesus, submitting to you day after day, bringing you all honour and praise. And Father, we pray for those who we know are rejecting you today. Lord, give us wisdom in our words and bring your words to them. And please, raise them up to enjoy life today with you and so resurrection life with you forever. Lord, we pray for these greater things that the church are doing, the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Lord, may they happen in our time in Banbury and on Brett Hill. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.